Good morning. Just a real quickly question for you guys. How many of you have um, ever uttered this question, what can I do, I'm just, and you fill in the blank? Has anyone ever said that? Raise your hand if you're honest. Come on now. Don't raise your hand if you're a liar. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. No. Um, have you ever felt that, that statement where you're like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm just this, or I'm, I'm just... I'm just a mom, or I'm just a dad, or I'm just a nobody, or I'm just a, an employee, or I, I can't accomplish that because I'm just fill in the blank. See, my assumption is most of us struggle in some way, in some capacity, at the fact that we don't believe that we are capable of doing really much good at all. In fact, what we're, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, slip your hands up, and the ushers will get you one. But my assumption in a room, standing, like, standing back just a little bit to look at a room this size, my assumption is that, that all of you at some point or another have been in a situation where you've lacked understanding or, or, or felt in some way immobilized, why I can't move forward because I don't know which way to go, or I'm just this person. Or the, the walls kind of come in around you and you feel like that it's, a, it's an attack from every which direction. And you don't have the means to actually meet these needs. Or you don't have the means to actually accomplish what needs to be accomplished before you. And so as you sit in these situations, you sit perplexed and weak and fearful about what you're called to do. My assumption is that a lot of us, as, 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 as us being at a church, a lot of us struggle to, to remember even the miraculous thing in our own life. Right, the fact that, that any one of us, if we had seen us prior to what it was like with the relationship with Christ, we would say, that is, that is a miracle in and of itself, seeing me apart from myself and now one with Christ. So we've, if you've experienced the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, then you've experienced an immense miracle in your life. And as we look in, in the book of Matthew today, we'll realize that Jesus is actually inviting us, he's inviting you and me to be a part of those miracles in the lives of others and in our own life. He's inviting us to be a part of this. And so if you've, if you've spent any time around the church, you've heard this parable a million times. You've heard this story. It's not even a parable. It's a story about what happened um, with Jesus. And you've, you've heard this over and over again. In fact, this is the one miracle that fits in every single gospel. Every single gospel has an account of this one miracle. So you've spent any time around the church, you've heard it. And it's titled The Feeding of the 5,000 in, in chapter 14. Now, we, we skipped ahead a little bit. We're going to come back to, to the death of John the Baptist. But, but it's important to note that before we read this, the very part where Jesus says in, 19, in 13, now when Jesus heard this, what he heard was the death of John the Baptist. And so what Jesus is doing is he, as he gets in on the Sea of Galilee where he's at, he spent some time in Capernaum, he gets, he gets word that, that John the Baptist has been killed. And so he withdraws with himself and, and his disciples into a boat. In the Sea of Galilee, if, you, if you're, you're Capernaum, it's a big, wide opening, and there's cities all along, around the outside, on, on, on one side, on the other side, it's a little bit more desolate. And what, what Jesus does, he jumps into this boat with his disciples. We find out from the other Gospels it wasn't just him. But he jumps into the boat with the intent to go be alone. And Jesus has done that time and time again. We see that over and over again in his, in his ministry here on earth. That he, he always would find space to retreat, but that's important. So we'll, we'll pick up in verse 13. Now Jesus said, or now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. We find out from the other gospels that that was with his disciples, his 12 disciples. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heavens and said a blessing. Then he broke the, the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And when they had all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over, and when those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And so there's a couple things I want to I point out historically about this that's important. First off, when it talks about sitting down in the grass, that means that this is most likely around Easter time, around the spring, because the grass is plenty in this area. It would be dry and, and, and empty and barren if it was closer to summer or fall. And so he tells them to sit in the grass. Secondly, the, the disciples coming to him saying it's, it's almost, it is evening. They, the Jews had two evenings. They had an evening that was 3 to 6 p.m. and 6 to 9 p.m. So this is most likely in, recon, um, in recognition of the 3 to 6. It's evening. It's time when the meal is about to be had. Okay? And this is, this is important to know those things. And then the other thing that's important to know is that, um, is that, is that they have been here in this situation for a, a better part of a, about four hours. And so what I wanted to do real quickly is I want to, I want to tell this story that we just read a little bit different. I want to kind of tell it from the standpoint of one of the disciples. And so if you can just kind of just for a moment, just kind of think about what it would be like. Ignore kind of what you've heard in the past and how you've heard this broken down and what, what's taught. And just, just picture what it was like for the disciples. Because when we come to this story, we just kind of read it and go, yeah, okay, this is what happened and, and here's how it goes. But I, I, want to, I want to kind of set this precedence before we pull out of what I think God really wants us to take from that. And that, is, and that, is, is that is that, again, Jesus, he is leaving because he's looking for space. He's looking for space from the crowd. So he's leaving. Now, you picture it. He jumps on a boat, and there's crowds that are right there. And, and on a clear day, you can see right across the Sea of Galilee. Like, you can see all the way around it. You can see it everywhere. And it's like, picture crowds seeing his boat and going, oh, it's going this way. And they're literally running around the banks to find where he's going. Okay, wherever he lands, as he lands kind of on the southeastern side in a more desolate place, he's already there, and people have already made their way to him. And they've brought hundreds and thousands of people, and probably, probably about 100 or 300 or 400 or 500 of them have some kind of ailment that they brought to Jesus to heal. And so Jesus is getting off the boat. He's tired. He's had a long day. He's sad. He's, he's dealing with, with the pain of losing his cousin and, and, and the knowing that, that if that means that that's happening with John, his time is coming to an end too, that the hostility towards Jesus' work is getting higher and higher. And so he's, he's tired, but he gets off this boat and he sees this great crowd. Now, I want to I paint this a little bit for you. So now, I don't know when this happened, but my assumption is, is they've been healing people, and I mean, like, someone's walking up, and if it was a, like a line, you know, take your turn, what's your ailment? Oh, you can't see? You're good to go, or, you know, whatever he was doing, or he was just kind of waving his arm over this section of the crowd, being like, they're all healed, or I don't know how it was happening, but we know from all four Gospels that immense healings were happening. People were seeing that couldn't see, people were hearing that couldn't hear, like, miracles were happening, and again, it's, this is later in his time of miracles, so he's already been doing this stuff, but either way, like, the reason why there's great crowds, they say 5,000 men, that could be upwards of 10 to, to 20,000 people total. Like, the reason why he's drawing crowds is for that very reason, the fact that he's healing. He's doing miracles. 
And so he's been healing all these people. And about four hours into it, you know, I'm going to assume Peter because he's a little bit more bold. You know, and Peter's like, oh, man, stomach's growling. A little hungry. So he gets a little hungry. He's thinking, man, it's like 3 o'clock. Shoot, there's not a Denny's around here. There's not a Wendy's. Like, man, we don't even got a Winco. Like, he's sitting here thinking this thing through. And he's like, well, you know, I'm hungry. They must be hungry. And, and no one, like, he's been, Peter's been a part of plenty angry mobs. You know, like, this, this crowd could turn at any moment. And, and Peter's thinking, there's only 12 of us. You know, this is getting out of control. Jesus is kind of not in the best spot because he's sad about John. Like, maybe this isn't, maybe this is a bad situation. So, so Peter, he comes, and this is my assumption, right? And he comes to, comes to Jesus. And he's like, hey, hang on, blind man. Hang on a second, sir. Wait your turn, okay? Hey, hey Jesus, come here, buddy. And he pulls Jesus over, and he's like, hey, you're doing a great job, Jesus. I mean, this, is, this has been so good. Like, like, you're, man, Jesus, like, it's awesome what you're doing, right? This is great. Like, these miracles, whoa, mind blown. Great, good job. Some of the people are going to get hungry, you know, as his stomach's like, that was, I'm, you know, I'm just gassy, you know, whatever. But some of these people, are, they're hungry, and, and there is no food around here. And look, these, these people ran pretty hard to get here, so it wouldn't be that hard for them to get back to their home. In fact, you healed a bunch of the people that had to be carried here, so really, it's easier for them to go find food, right? And so he's like, so he's like would, you just, would you just send them on their way so that they can have some food and eat? And Jesus says to him, says, we don't need to send them away. You feed them. Now, now, I don't know about you, but if I was that disciple, I'd kind of be like, <clears throat> Excuse me, what'd you, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Wait, guys, guys, hey, Andrew, hey, John, James, he wants us to feed him. And Andrew jumps up, he's like, I'll go figure it out, and he goes and beats up some kid and takes his five loaves and two fish and shows back up, right? And he's like, I got these. Andrew, that's not going to help. That's five loaves and two fish, you idiot. Like, come on. We're getting it figured out, Jesus. This is good. Who's got money? And they're emptying the pockets like, how are we going to do this? And so they're like, we, we, got, we got nothing. And Jesus is like, well, what, what do you have? Well, Andrew beat up a kid. By the way, he didn't beat up a kid. He just, there was a boy, we find that in the Gospel Mark, that there was a boy that he had five loaves and two fish. So Andrew was excited. Hey, I, f- I found five loaves and two fish. And all the other disciples going, yeah, there's, there's 5,000 dudes here. Like, that's not going to feed anyone. Come on, what's wrong with you? And Jesus is like, no, no, bring it to me. And this, this story reeks of pointing to the 12 tribes and, and, and God providing manna through, through Israel in the wilderness. And so it points to so many beautiful things. And I think that's a part of what we can gain from this story, but I don't even think that's the main point, right? So, so he says, okay, he takes these loaves, and he, he, you know, he prays over them, he breaks it, maybe a, a foreshadow to the communion, the Last Supper in the upper room, right? And he blesses this, this, this bread, and he breaks this one loaf into, we'll just call it 12 pieces, right? Takes those little sardines, and he's like, you know, and a little one in there, and a little one, I don't know how he does it, right? We have no idea, but these 12 disciples have 12 day baskets, okay? Like a picnic basket style food. And they go, okay. And he sits them down. We learned from the gospel mark that he sits them down in 50 and 100. And so now go ahead and feed him. Now, if I'm Peter or John or James or any of them, even Judas at this point, I'm like, I, we're going to get beat up, Jesus. Like, this, this isn't going to go well, you know? And he's like, well, just line them up. Just have them come up. And kind of Jesus is sitting back going, this is going to be comical. Watch these guys. And Peter's at this moment thinking like, well, how fast can I run once I run out? You know, like he's like maybe like going, well, if I give this and like, look, it's empty and then take off running, will we be safe? Like, hey, unhook the boat. Let's get it ready, guys. And so they sit there. And so Peter's like, here you go. Here's your, here's your fish and your loaf. 
and he's like trying to break it in the basket, like trying to break a piece apart to try and make it go further right. And he's like, here you, here you go. And here you, John, and he's looking around. Like every one of them, they just keep reaching their hand in, and the food keeps coming out. And I don't know about you, but at one point, would you be like, what the, like, what is, what's going on in here? Like, how's, gee, what is, what is going on? How are you doing this? Like, look at guys, like, this is still coming out. And he's, like, doing a little dance, going, this is awesome. Like, keep coming, keep coming. And he's, he's enamored with the fact that all he's doing is reaching into a basket, right? But what keeps coming out of that basket is food, and it makes no sense mathematically. It makes no sense. The basket's small, Right? And he's reaching in, and he keeps handing it. He's like, well, you know, hey, here, second plops. Like, apparently we've got lots. He's getting more crazy with his portions, so much so that they have leftovers. You know, the first person's got like a tail of a fish and, and a little piece of crumb. And he's like, whoa, this is, this is, we're good to go. And this whole time he's sitting there feeding and feeding and feeding. And the disciples are like, man, are you, are you serious? Are you seeing this? And the people keep coming, and the food keeps coming and keep coming and keep coming. Now, I don't know about you. But if I was one of those guys passing that food out, I feel like I'd have something pretty good and solid etched into my brain of what happened. Right? I don't think any one of them were like, high five, look what I did, James, boom. You know, way to steal those fish. Like, you must have found the, the, the jackpot in that little boy's fish. No, they, they knew right then and there. They had nothing to do with it. In fact, what they had just experienced was a miracle. In fact, at the end of this, right after this, they, they try and king Jesus. Like, make him a king. He's amazing. Not just the disciples, but everyone. This is incredible. Look what he's done. Now, fast forward just a few months into late summer, okay? Just a few months into late summer, and you move to, to Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. And I'm, this is interesting, right? Because you look at the title, it says, Jesus feeds the 4,000. Okay, it's like, almost like, hey, yeah, I, I think we've seen this before, right? So then Jesus, and this is a, this, a different area, totally different area. He's in, he's in a totally different city, and it's a totally different time of year. It says, then Jesus calls his disciples to him. So then Jesus instigates it this time, right? Before it was Peter's stomach growling. He's going, hey, man, people are hungry. Like, get them out of here. This one, Jesus calls them to him. And we hear from the, the, the gospel mark to test them. He says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now, I want to pause for a moment. I am pretty certain that I struggle to keep your guys' attention for maybe 20 minutes. Like right now, some of you are already thinking about what's for lunch today, right? Jesus has kept these people, these 4,000 people, for three whole days. And they're like, we ain't leaving to eat. This is too good, right? So that's a miracle in of itself. That was free. Anyways, you guys are like, mm, what's for lunch? Uh, anyways, he says, I am unwilling, I am unwilling, I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And then the disciples say to him, honestly, one of those questions where I'm like, really? Really? Like, what is in this question? Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Oh, come on. I'm betting that was Peter, right? It's like, well, how are we going to do this? And he's forgotten all of a sudden, like, wait, these fish are coming out three months earlier of this basket. Like, where are we to get this? Where, where are we going to feed these people? And in fact, where he is in, in this area is, is in the Decapolis. It's a Greek city. It's, it's a little bit further out, and so it's more desolate than where he was before. So there's, like, there's not even that, like, Winco knockoff brand somewhere close by, like, right? It's just empty. And so they're in this desolate place, and, and Jesus says to them, 
um, well, how many loaves do you have? Well, how many do you have? Well, Andrew went and beat someone up and took some, and so he's got seven loaves. No, that was, that was my part, sorry. Andrew doesn't beat anyone up. He's a good disciple. And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. They didn't even give us the number of the fish this time. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, which is like, wait a minute, wouldn't you think like amnesia or something like, man, I, I, feel, like I've, I feel like I've seen this situation before. Like I feel like at that moment when he says, let them sit down in crowds and numbers, and we get from the gospel mark like in these 50 and 100, they're like, oh, hey, 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 hey. Dude, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. We've, we've seen this before. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and disciples gave them to the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into a boat and went away. Now, we give the disciples a hard time. Right? We even give, if, if you spend any time in the Old Testament, you love to, like, we love to harp on the Israelites. Like, how can they forget that again? Like, how, how, are, they, how are they missing it? But I don't think we should be too hard on them because how many times has God provided for us in the past? Yet we still have trouble trusting him for whatever we're going through in the present. Right? How, how many times has he put food on your plate? Yet you, you wonder what you're going to do for food the next day. How many times has he made your rent? How many, how many times has God shown up in your life, yet your current circumstances just look a slightly different than that? Well, this is 4,000, not 5,000. And, and you miss it completely. Now, there are some rather large differences between these two, and I wanted to hit a couple of them because it's important. Some, some people try and say that this was just a second account of the same feeding, that's, that's definitely not true, especially since we see Jesus talking about both feedings in Matthew 16. But there are some massive differences. First, the feeding of the 5,000 is in Galilee near Bethsaida. It's a primarily Jewish area. Okay? And the, the, the feeding of the 4,000 is in, in one of the Decapolis cities, the, the, the Greek cities away from there. And it's 4,000 and not 5,000. In the 5,000, it was five loaves and two fish. In the 4,000, it was seven loaves and a few fish. Um, the 12 baskets that we see in the word that translates for the baskets, literally like a picnic basket. The baskets that we see in the, Genti the more primarily Gentile area, the 4,000, are large baskets, like kind of community baskets that you would put a, a massive amount of food in. And so those are different. We have the crowd being with him one day. The grass is green, so we know it's spring. They try to make him a king in the 5,000. In the 4,000, it's, it's, it's just still on the ground. There's no grass. There's no follow-up of making him a king. There's no extra work happening there. So there's a, there's a number of differences. And I don't know, I wrestled long and hard as like, well, did the disciples forget? Like, did they really like ask that question, well, where are we going to get this food? Like, is it this question like, well, how are we going to do this? Like, dude, three months ago, you just experienced one of the most amazing things ever with your hands. How do you forget that? And for the longest time, I struggled to go, well, I don't know. Like, I called friends. I was like, man, how, what, what is going on here? And then it was Pretty easy. Mark 8, 18, we see that Jesus is asking the questions to the disciples about the, when he's teaching about the false teachings of the Pharisees. And he's using the word leaven, and they're all confused. And he says, look, look, he says, how many baskets were left over in the 5,000? They said, oh, 12. So they remember, they remember the instance. They remember what happened. They, it's not like they all of a sudden just totally, blanketly forgot what happened. But here's, here's what I want to push on you today. 
is that, is that we harp hardly, or we harp harshly on the disciples for their, their lack of remembering. You know, when Jesus rebukes the disciples, he doesn't rebuke them in those things. He always rebukes them for little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Other times he says, you don't understand yet. But it's always tied to their, their, their lack of faith. And I don't, I don't think the disciples doubted Jesus could do it. I just, didn't, I just don't think they had faith that he would. I don't think they doubted it. I just think they didn't have faith that he would do it. Similarly to you and me, we don't have faith that God's going to move in our life. We lack the faith because maybe the circumstances were just different. Well, these were, Jesus at this point was predominantly teaching to the people of Israel, the Jews, and well, this was Gentiles, so maybe he wouldn't give that to them. Oh, well, there's only 4,000 men here. This isn't 5,000, so if he really wants to make a name for himself, we've got to find a crowd of 6,000, and then he'll do it. Right? We take, we take these circumstances, and oh, they look a little bit different. You know, you've done this, and this is how you do it. You play it out in your life. When someone, you say you're going through a hardship, and, and someone genu- gently, not like a, and genuinely wants to help you, not some prideful person is coming in, but they say like, well, you know, have you ever thought about this, this, and this? Because when I was experiencing this, and you just think, oh, no, 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 that, that's different. My situation is so different. God, God couldn't do that in this situation. I'm glad he did it for you, and that's great. Right? We, we, we just believe that he won't. We lack the faith that he actually will do it. And this is, this is a problem. See, because when it comes to God, most of the time we see our own lack of ability instead of his sufficiency. Right? We, we see what we are incapable of doing instead of recognizing what he is capable of doing. We spend more time going, I can't, when he's saying, I'm right here. Put your hand in the basket, dude. Just, just step out there. I get it. You're afraid. It doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't formulate why I'm leading you in this way, but trust me, I am a good, good father that we just prayed or sang about. Trust me. I know what you need. In fact, let me just put it this way. Before you were even knit together, I created you for a purpose. Like I, I got all sorts of great things that are going to bring immense glory to my kingdom that I put you in place to do. I'm inviting you into this just step. But the problem is most of us are afraid of stepping. Not because we forget. Although sometimes I do think, I think we forget that God provides immensely for each of us. The fact that we are as this small C church meeting in a building and able to talk about this is, is probably like, 90% of the world's faith can't do this around the world, right? And we forget that he's provided that for us. I, I get in the same spot. What are we going to do if we outgrow this? We don't have money. We can't. God's like, slap me on the back of the head. I think he slaps me on the back of the head. He's more gentle than that, just so you guys know. But he's like, man, I'm, I'm doing it already. I'm leading you to a space that's really uncomfortable. In fact, there's going to be people, let's just, let's just hit our insecurities. I'm going to push on the guys for a second. In fact, I'm going to ask you to step in front of 5,000 people and be ready to do something for them, and you're going to have to completely rely on me to meet those needs. Talk about insecurities well enough, right? Wait, what happens if you, if you don't do it? They're going to look at me, and I'm going to be fair. God's like, man, my name is so much bigger than your shortcomings. Don't, don't you get it? Like, I, I delight in inviting you into this process. And I've invited you into being my hands and feet while 
I do the miracles. It's not about you anyways. So where is God leading you? Maybe it's, it's, it's in a relationship. Maybe it's out of a relationship. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's some of you, it's like it's time for you to stop hiding from, from ministry. And God's been like, I have been calling you and calling you and calling you. Some of you, you've been sitting on your gifts because like, well, I don't know. I shouldn't do this or I don't know if it would be useful. Or you just look at your shortcomings when all the while God's saying, no, 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 don't you get it? I'm doing something. I'm there. I, I'm taking you there. Some of you, you're, you're looking at your circumstances and you're blinded by what he's doing. You're looking right here going, I don't, I don't see the answer. There is no answer to this solution. I don't know, I don't know what to do. You've, you've got to utter this. All we can do is pray. That's a horrible statement. We should be praying all the time. But I think that that God leads us to that spot where we have no means in our own hands to do it so that he can show up and say, look at me, I'm God. Worship me, not this stuff. You know, one of the things I wanted to point out in this situation is in both of these feedings, what did Jesus have? This is an answer. He had great compassion. That word literally translates like the inner gut, where that feeling is, where they believed that all those emotions and feelings are there. He had immense feeling there and acted. Some of you right now, you're like, my situation's so small. All I'm asking him to do is help me with this one class at school, or I'm just asking him to, you know, help me at this work. It's so small. Jesus just spent a whole bunch of time, upwards of four hours, healing blind people and making people walk that couldn't walk before. And they said, oh, you want a cheeseburger? Here you go, buddy. He met the most basic need. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a temporary need. I mean, yeah, they all left fat and happy that day, right? But they're going to be hungry again. And why did he do it? Because he had deep compassion. Hear this. If you have surrendered to the person of Jesus Christ, if you, you've, you've surrendered to him and he is your Lord and your, your Savior and your Messiah, then what makes you think that he doesn't have that deep compassion for you right where you're at with what you're going through? Why, why do we forget that? It was his compassion that compelled him to meet the most basic need, a need that a lot of people go without today. But it was his compassion. So as his child, and being a good, good father, what makes you think that he's not asking you to do something right now that may be uncomfortable for you, but he's going to provide the means to do it? Maybe some of you, maybe some of you you've made that step, and you're out in the water. The next, the next week or the next message is, Jesus, is Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water. As the next step, he had, whatever he saw in that moment of, of feeding the 5,000 gave Peter enough gusto to go, I'm out, let's do it. I saw those fish coming, I couldn't believe it. But see, some of us, we're waiting for a miracle to assume that we can believe in Jesus. You know, the feeding of the 4,000, the very next thing that happens, while he was there, he just heals a bunch of people and just fed 4,000 people. You know the very next thing that happens? <laughs> a Pharisee comes up and says, hey, give us a sign that you're the Messiah. What? Are you kidding me? How, how like, was, th I'm sorry, should there have been more people to feed? Like, what do you, I mean, what do you need? I'm, oh, you're, 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 you didn't like the, I didn't use the right salt. It wasn't flavored well? Like, what's going on here? Like, the, the, the miracles happen in our life, and we still ask for more. So to assume that just because a miracle has happened is therefore like, okay, then I will believe? No, I mean, everyone struggles with that. The disciples struggle with that. 
The Pharisees saw that. In fact, the Israelites had continually rejected him for every miracle that he did. So, so for you and me, what is it in your life? That, what are you rejecting him? I mean, how are you rejecting him? What, what, what is in the way of what he's asking you to do? Right now, he's saying, he's saying look, I want to take you out. I want you to step. Just, just step. Just pick up that basket. It's going to feel light, but I promise you what I'm doing, you cannot think up. I promise you can't even make it happen. People have tried to understand it. It's, it's, it's divine, and it's outside of our understanding, but I'm leading you there. Now step. Step in faith. So church, what is it? What, what are you, where are you not stepping in faith? Where are you not picking up the basket? Could it be because you're afraid that if you pick up the basket, he won't show up? Oh, you have little faith. You need the faith of a mustard seed, right? Small amount of faith can do immense things because we serve an amazing king that holds this whole thing together. And he has invited you and I to be a part of the miracles that he wants to do in this world. And that miracle may mean that you need a miracle with someone in your family that will not believe in Jesus. Well, don't forget that you are a standing, walking, breathing miracle if you surrender your life to Christ. You are completely enamored as his miraculous gift, and he's saying, step. Keep going. I know. I know they may not like you. It's scary. I get it. I get it. This relationship's been, been at its ends for so long. I get it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to figure out how to fix it. In fact, you can't figure out how to fix it. For this to be taken care of, I just need you to step and open up the basket and put your hand in and just watch me work. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe for some of you, it's what you've been holding back on Jesus this whole time. Like, I can't believe it. I can't. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't put it into words. Just let me just tell you right now. Let me put you at peace. There's a lot of things that he will grow you in knowledge that's unbelievable. There's a lot of things you'll never, ever understand. Because he's divine and he's our king. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the miracle of feeding. Such a simple, simple need met. Yet so incredibly miraculous. Thank you for using the hands of the disciples. Thank you for showing us that, that despite how beautiful this picture is of you showing up and taking care of the Israelites in the wilderness by bringing manna every day or how beautiful this is in a foreshadow to what you're going to do in the Last Supper. All of those great, amazing, incredible theological things, God. But how beautiful it is to know that when I am led by you, you show up. You move and you do mighty things for your glory and your glory alone. And so, God, I pray for those in the room that are afraid. They are, they, are, they are trembling in fear because they have believed the lie that you're not going to show up. God, I pray that you'd give them courage. I pray that you would, you would help them to be strong and courageous like you called Joshua to be. God, for those in the room that, that have, have just doubted, and they know that you're, they're, you're good, and they know that you're showing up, but they just don't believe what they have is worth your time, God, remind them that you are their father and you know them intimately. And you desire to continue to be in a deep, intimate relationship with them. And God, for those that, that maybe are just scared or confused by the situation, they can't find a solution, and they've been working so hard to try and find that solution, God, would your spirit lead them into that spot where they don't get to do anything? And may they come out glorifying you even more, Lord.
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.